Welcome to another episode of Code for Thought. Yes, it's time for the annual Research Software Engineering Conference again. Because of the pandemic, this one's entirely virtual, but what it lacks in meeting people for real, it certainly makes up for the width and breadth of subjects being covered. And for a whole month of September. It's running right now, and there are still exciting talks and workshops ahead, so check it out. In the Code for Thought podcast, I'm bringing three extra episodes out during the conference to throw some light on the sponsors behind September RSE. Because, as we're all aware, RSE roles are still relatively new and not yet fully recognized in a lot of places, so I think it's all the more important that organizations and companies are beginning to take note and realize there's great value in research software engineering. Value that needs support. One of these companies sponsoring September RSE is Oracle, and in this episode, I have the pleasure of talking to Alison Durbinwick Miller, Kevin Jorison, and Richard Pitts from Oracle Research about their links to research software engineering. Well, hello, Alison, Kevin, and Richard, and welcome to the show. And thanks very much for making a very early start to you, Alison and Kevin, because you're in the US in quite a different time zone to Richard and myself. Much appreciated. Uh, let's start with some introductions. Maybe I can ask you first, Alison. Sure. Thank you, Peter. I'm Alison Durbenwick Miller. I'm the vice president of Oracle for Research at Oracle, uh, and I'm delighted to be here. Thanks very much, Kevin. Uh, my name is uh, Kevin Torson. I live in Seattle, and I'm a distinguished architect on the Oracle Cloud High Performance Computing Team. And uh, my background is in uh, physics and in the weather prediction. And finally, Richard. So I am the research advocate, Richard Pitts. I'm the research advocate for Alison's team, Oracle for Research in Europe. By training originally, I'm a biologist. I have had a, a very, very career. The reason why we're having this session is because it's now the annual conference of RSEs. And uh, this time and this year, like last year, it is again online because of the pandemic. What I would like to know is how you all got involved, because uh, Oracle actually has been a supporter of this for quite some time. Perhaps I could take that to start with, because mm. I was the first to be involved with it from Oracle pre-sales, because I started working um, on projects with the University of Bristol, using Oracle's database with graph techniques Uh, comparing drugs, whether they actually have beneficial or detrimental effects to people. And we were using some, mm -hmm. the, the database has some really cool graphing tools to do that. Out of the back of that, it was suggested that myself and my now colleague in uh, Oracle for Research would do a paper at RSE in September 2019, the last face-to-face -face meeting. <laughs> Indeed. And in fact, Kevin was at that conference at the same time, but we know we were two ships in the night. We never, we never met, but we were there. <laughs> and um, as I said, I'm a biologist by training and moved into commercial computing because there's no money in biology. And if there'd been an RSE 35 years ago, I would have stayed in research computing for sure. You know, it's, it was absolutely where I was at with the polymorphic gene work I was doing. What we're trying to achieve with, with Oracle for Research absolutely dovetails into the objectives of RSE. RSE, I see, see is really important in giving a voice to a community that struggles to have it heard. You know, there's, there's always the, the researchers get the, get the kudos, but these people that 
back and support them with the with the complicated maths and, and compute that follows with that. It's uh, really important. And we're very keen to support and nurture that community outside of our, in our wider remit. Absolutely. Actually, I think uh, the, the research software engineering role is so critical to the sustainability of research software over time uh, and really to the efficacy of research holistically. And at Oracle, you know, really we're committed to supporting research writ large. Our, our goal is to empower researchers with cloud computing so that they can focus on their research work. They can push the boundaries of discovery and they don't have to become computing experts themselves. So we really partner with research software engineers and work closely alongside them to enable researchers to focus on their work. Yeah, I, I like that word partners. Uh, I, I think RSCs really are a critical role. They don't get as much love as they as they deserve. Every RSC should get free beer at every conference they go to. It's very critical. <laughs> um, and uh, I think as... As more and more researchers are drawn to the cloud, there will be even more need for RSCs who, you know, we really understand the technology, but the RSCs are on the campus. They have a granular ins uh, insight into the research needs that we as, a, as an infrastructure provider uh, could never have. And I think cloud provider and the RSCs, we might kind of flourish together. You know, there might be, Rich, there might, uh, might not be too late for you to start that new career. I think we're going to need a, a lot of RSCs. <laughs> Your third career. You mentioned Oracle for Research. I think a lot of people, most of the listeners, or if not all of them, will be familiar with Oracle databases, etc. And it's very famous for that. Oracle for Research may not be quite so well known. Alison, you're, you're heading that. And maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that. Well, what your remit is and what kind of projects are you typically looking after? I think you're exactly right. People tend to still know us as a database company or sometimes a cloud computing company, which is great, um, but we're not necessarily known for the work that we do in, in research. And our commitment to research really comes from the very top. When COVID started, Larry Ellison, who's our CTO and one of our, our founders, really led the charge to get in and provide resources to support COVID research. And the Oracle for Research program came out of Larry's passion for supporting research. Our remit is to focus on bringing cloud computing to researchers, but not just dropping off the cloud credits and, and disappearing into the night. It's really a collaborative program focused on working alongside researchers mm -hmm. um, and understanding what they're trying to do and the problems they're trying to solve and then helping them solve them in better and different ways. We sort of work at two levels at Oracle with research. We'll work at the institutional level um, alongside CIOs and uh, and. IT departments within research institutions to become part of their research computing infrastructure. So for example, at Rice, we are, uh, recently worked on a Rice University here in the United States in oh, Texas. Right. Okay. Thank you. Um, we recently worked with them on a project that was funded by the NSF to enable bursting from the on-campus IT infrastructure into the cloud when researchers needed extra cloud computing capacity. They at Rice use a software uh, scheduler called Open Nebula, which wasn't compatible with OCI when we started this project. So we actually got in and sent out our engineers and software architects to work with Rice and work with the Open Nebula community to develop the connector to do that. 
At the other end of the spectrum, we work with individual researchers on different projects. Um, and at the University of California at Davis, there was a researcher who wanted to test a bunch of pharmaceutical compounds for what is known as cardiotoxicity, which basically is you take a drug for one thing, like to cure your cancer, but it's going to damage your heart in the process. And they really want to understand and be able to predict more accurately what those cardiotoxic effects might be. So we worked alongside that research team to optimize their cloud computing to enable them to test compounds there. And then that actually involved a lot of HPC work. And Kevin, I don't know if you want to talk at all about, about how we use HPC specifically in research. Sure. So high-performance computing is well-known pillar of research computing at most mm -hmm. institutions. That said, the evolutions uh, of recent years um, have led to a few challenges. One is that there is never enough capacity. That's where cloud obviously prepares, uh, offers one solution. There's like this infinite reservoir of additional capacity that you can burst into or you can move an entire research project into. The second advantage there is that we also offer lots of different flavors of compute, right? So if you have a couple hundred researchers or a couple thousand researchers at your, your institution, some of them are going to want to run uh, you know, some good old Intel CPUs. Other people mm -hmm. are going to come begging you for GPUs and, and always more mm -hmm. than you have. Then we see now this battle between, you know, AMD, ARM and Intel for who has the, the fastest or the most cost effective uh, infrastructure. And so it's very difficult for an institution or even an overarching research body to, to meet all those needs. When researchers come to the cloud, however, they have the flexibility every day to say, well, what do I need today? You will see that in a lot of these case studies, it's like researcher had 10,000 of this or 100,000 of that or, or a million of such and so would need to be processed. And cloud is just a really wonderful environment to crunch through a huge pile of experiments or, or, or data as fast as you want, because you can scale out horizontally and just, just absorb all that work. The extent to which that's a problem obviously depends on the institution where you're at. Some are, mm -hmm. are more resource than others. And I think we also all know that uh, certain departments that traditionally have done a lot of HPC have easier access than if you're maybe in the social sciences or something like that. And so um, yeah. a lot of these new fields, especially, I think, benefit from being able to access modern platforms. Reza, is there anything that you would like to add? Well, just building on, on what Kevin was saying, actually, um, during the COVID crisis, we've been working with lots of different researchers finding treatments and finding and helping build the vaccines. In Australia with Flinders University, they've been using HPC compute on Oracle Cloud to look at modeling drug efficacy with with great effect because they have no they're not competing with anyone else for the HPC resource. Once they've got it, mm. it's theirs until they've finished, they get through the work very quickly. Another classic example which is which is another great case study working with Imre Berger's team at Bristol University they were fortunate enough to discover the pocket that resides in the covid spike using cryoelectron microscopy taking the literally thousands of images that they they take of the the virus and then stitching that all together on the Oracle Cloud using Christopher Wood's Cluster in the Cloud technology as the basic um, platform for this, and discovered, almost by accident, discovered this, this druggable pocket that resides in the spike. If you think of it like a, a suit pocket, when you're wearing a suit, 
and you've nothing in the pockets, you won't see the pocket. It's just lying flat on the jacket. If you put something in there, it looks very, it looks like an eyesore and particularly on me. But with the COVID spike, they were fortunate to actually have uh, images of linoic acid in these pockets. And when that pocket is loaded, it no longer can infect a human. And that's led to some fantastic developments in possible therapeutics for, for, for helping people with COVID. Imre is now setting up, a has got a startup working on that called Halo Pharmaceuticals, which is looking at exactly how they can turn that into a treatment. That sounds all very exciting. So there are two things, two sound bites that I would like to home in a little bit more on. First is Oracle for Research is actually fairly young then. It is a response to the COVID crisis. Is, is that, would that be correct in saying that? It was coincidental, actually, that we started around the same time as COVID. So the program itself started in May of 2019. And then we were sort of running in pilot mode and working with researchers and really trying to understand what are the problems researchers are trying to solve and where can Oracle bring its experience in data management and data use and mm. computing to help them. So we kind of ran in this pilot mode for almost a year. I actually went to California and had a meeting with Larry Ellison and some other senior executives on March 3rd of 2020, when they said, yes, this is a great program. You guys have got it figured out. Let's push it out into the market. And then the whole world shut down on March 13th. Um, and it really was that fast. So it was sort of a happy coincidence, actually, that we had built the program mm. right at the time that so many researchers needed needed help uh, working on COVID. But the program didn't, didn't start because of COVID. Might I add a, a comment, though, to what Allison just, just said? Okay. One way I like to look at this, though, is Oracle entered the cloud game a little bit later than some of the other major players mm. in the field. We decided to try and learn from, from previous experiences in the market. When it comes to research, I think you'll find that, that a lot of researchers have had past experiences with cloud companies that they perhaps didn't fully enjoy. They didn't feel fully heard or fully uh, treated the way they should be. So at Oracle, we're trying to learn from that and do things right. And so we set up a research organization under Ellison that really has a long-term remit and an ability to work for the long-term on what they believe is ultimately going to be helpful and transformational for research. There's nothing to do with the yearly sales targets that that, that perhaps people have felt <laughs> felt like they were a part of when they interacted with another black company. Mm, um, we might it, revisit that for a minute. <laughs> well, well, you know, uh, in, in my field with high-performance computing, a lot of people uh, over the years have felt that cloud companies, cloud providers offered them something, but it wasn't exactly the HPC that they wanted. They wanted an HPC that sure had like that flexibility of the cloud that I described earlier that, that helps you adjust to the, the, the workload of the day, but that still uh, performed as well in, in as familiar a way as the traditional HPC on the campus. And so when Oracle started building out high-performance computing, we said, no, we're going to have a proper HPC network interconnect. We're going to do bare metal. We're not going to have virtualization layers. We're going to set that up so that this thing is going to, you know, RHPC is going to perform just the same as, as what you might otherwise buy on your campus. So in both cases, we're really trying to have sort of a second generation approach. That actually is a, an important point. At some of our peer companies, 
their focus on research is really primarily sitting in their marketing and sales organizations. And we have decided to set our research organization and our focus within product development. So this really is something we are committed to and invested in as a long-term project and not something where we're just trying to sort of break into a new new market. I originally wanted to talk about uh, Open Nebula, but I think let's talk about this for a second. So it's quite a crowded space. And of course, cloud computing over the last few years has been hugely successful. I guess that it's also successful for Oracle, but it's been hugely successful in the commercial environment. But what's in for Oracle when it comes to research? As you say, the bottom line is something that all companies need to look after, right? I mean, and quite rightly so, because after all, they need to be self-sustaining. Do you see that becoming at least equally important as the commercial part of it? Or what do you think are the benefits for a company such as Oracle to go specifically into research? What's in it for you is, I guess, my question. Well, I would say that a lot of good ideas and a lot of new technologies uh, start in research. And so there's certainly a strong motivation there for us to be present. Like in high-performance computing, at least half of the popular applications uh, are open-source applications that were started by a research group or are often still owned and, and updated by a research group. There is no way that we would not want to be in that space and that we would not want to collaborate with those people. Lots of ideas uh, spin off and then turn into startups and then get adopted by enterprises, right? So I, I mentioned earlier that weather is uh, sort of my uh, field that I really like paying attention to. I enjoy it because the people are so lovely. Uh, they all have institutions in lovely places like in the mountains or, or by the sea, what have you. I don't know how to get into it. <laughs> all that work starts at universities and then a few brave souls set a startup, hire a few people out of a, a national uh, institute for weather or what have you. And then once it's proven out, larger enterprises adopt this. And, and so, uh, you know, very soon we're going to see applications in agro-industry. It's already happening in finance and whatnot. That's going, going to bleed into a lot of other sectors. And so it's really great if as a technology provider, if you can be in contact with that community early on, when the, the open source academic community is just sort of setting up the frameworks and data structures and, and, and what have you. We also have a role to play, I think, especially in those fields where the same workloads might be uh, happening or the same data sources might be used across public and commercial sector. Cloud is actually a wonderful platform for that cross-pollination to happen. Uh, indeed, you see that a lot of the large data providers, the, the NASAs, the NOAAs, and the NISTs in the United States, for example, are planning to move giant data repositories to the cloud. And then you can have both public sector and commercial sector development around them. So I agree with everything Kevin said. And I also think there is a there really is sort of a philanthropic bent to some of the some of the interest in being involved in research. We have been helping people manage data and understand data and get insights from their data for 40 plus years now. We're not a young technology company anymore. No. Data is so central to research. And there's more and more and more data coming out every day. And researchers are grappling with how do I use this and how do I how do I build off of it and how do I gain insights from this ever increasing amount of data? We want to be able to contribute to the world in a meaningful way by supporting those research efforts, by helping researchers understand their data. So mm. yes, there's the bottom line concern. Yes, we need to have a self-sustaining business and, and all the things, and we're very, very interested in being part of emerging technologies and what's coming next. But we also want to make sure that as a technology company, we're giving back to the world. And that's mm -hmm. a big part of what we're doing too. 
Absolutely. There's a couple of good examples I can perhaps give to yeah, just, just to good. highlight that. Oracle as a company has been working with the World B program uh, project for a number of years. And we finally now have them working with Reading University on a research program. And the data and all the analysis is being is being held in the Oracle cloud. We're not expecting to make any bottom line contribution from that project in any way, shape or form. But what right. we are doing is is really helping to consolidate around the data a community of researchers and activists. The best tweets in the world I ever put out are always about bees. You get immediately you get <laughs> hundreds of impressions without trying, which is great. And I'm very proud that we're actually doing some really innovative research that won't have a direct commercial benefit to Oracle. But it might just mean that in 30 years time, we'll all be able to still eat apples because we know where to plant the trees today that will be growing those apples in the future. That's one good example. And another one, which is not quite so philanthropic, uh, the University Politico of Milan will be giving a talk on the 23rd of, of September at the RSE about their research on optimization and use of GPUs. It's called, paraphrasing here, taking the ninja out of GPU programming, making it easier for people to use to use these in Python, Java, JavaScript, and so on, without actually having to do to understand CUDA and all the ins and outs of that of that uh, environment. Now that project is not only sponsored by Oracle for Research, so we're giving the cloud credits to make it work. But it also has an interest from Oracle Labs, which is our internal research arm. And they're promoting this open source NVIDIA-based project with the intention that the contents of that project will eventually find its way into the, the services of the Oracle Cloud. It's available as an open source project. It also will be available for our researchers to use and for commercial companies to use. And consequently, they will pay for their their use of it, obviously, by using the Oracle Cloud. Thanks very much. I would finally go back to that uh, word or that phrase, open nebula. Could you explain what open nebula is and what it does and what your role in that is? Open Nebula is the basically a scheduler and a platform that Rice uses internally to manage allocation of jobs to their on-premise cluster. Um, and it enables management of compute resources across on-prem and cloud providers. When they use that and their researchers are submitting jobs, they wanted to be able, if they were going to burst into Oracle Cloud, to have the researchers use a familiar interface mm -hmm. to do it. So that was the connector that we built to Oracle Cloud so that when the researchers wanted to submit jobs to Oracle Cloud, it wasn't a strange experience for them. People want to have the ability for their HPC jobs to run in various places, depending on availability, let's say, but, but in an agnostic way. People might, might look at, for example, Oracle Cloud and say, wow, that's great. You've got, you've got all these latest generation GPUs and Intel servers and this and that, but, but how do I use it? Do I have to set up a whole new environment from scratch? And then how do I move jobs between my campus environment and that? And so mm -hmm. the Open Nebula uh, solves that problem. It integrates the environments and, and it can move work from one place to the other in a way that's going to be, that the researcher can then be, be agnostic to. 
Now, there are a number of solutions that purport to doing something like this, but Open Nebula has its roots in the academic community. It's not a commercial scheduler. I forget where it was developed, but but one of my my colleagues probably knows. And that's, again, something that we are very keen on. Uh, You know, we have engineering resources, of course. Allison has an Mm. old dedicated team of engineers who just work on on research-specific solutions. But we want to help researchers. We don't want to be too prescriptive. Like, we know that there are problems with traditional data formats and traditional software and whatnot, but we're not going to say throw away what you have and, and do it. it's the Oracle way or, or the highway. That's not our approach. Uh, we very much want to work with the popular frameworks that are out there and that have proven their worth or that, you know, for whatever reason, have the, the confidence of the academic community. Uh, I would like to move on to another interesting subject that's also increasingly important in, well, it is already very important in research, which is artificial intelligence. And I believe you're working with the University of Edinburgh on that. And I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit, what the collaboration is. Oh, yes. This is one of my favourite current projects. It's uh, absolutely great fun. What is it? So the linguistic community runs a competition every year to look at algorithms for statistical machine translation. So that's basically rather than trying to learn the rules of a language, which is generally regarded now as being too difficult, they're using learning and a whole set of data, which they learn the rules and develop the rules of translation from just looking at the, at the data. And so this is a statistical machine translation is a thing as such. It's moving very rapidly. And there's a a competition every year to compare my algorithm with Kevin's algorithm and see who's got the best algorithm for translation. And there are 39 Docker images competing for who can do this the fastest. They have a set piece of text to translate. That has all been done. The machine Mm -hmm. translation tests have been run. It's a very qualified program. They're not only looking for GPU or CPU efficiencies, but they're also looking at the cost per word for translation or how many million words you can translate in a second for a dollar and so on. So what happens is each competing team have have submitted a Docker image of their, their CPU or their GPU program. Mm. And Edinburgh has independently run all of these images as the the gamekeeper, if you like, to run these fairly and use the Oracle Cloud as the platform for that. So they're all running on a same the same basic shapes. So you can and compare them. So they are compar absolutely comparable. And then they're and I think the fastest one was doing something like six million words a second this year, which is pretty pretty right. good, I think. That's fairly shifting. Currently a bunch of linguistic experts are are evaluating the translations to see how good they are from a human reading point of view you know so uh, do they actually make sense and they're translating (laughs) one would hope so (laughs) well exactly (laughs) so exactly they're 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 really keen to progress this and it's a very interesting area because now if you look on some websites for example people are offering translate this page to another language and in fact some Mm. people are actually saying this is a machine translation so you can understand maybe it's not always going to be perfect but the brilliance of this is that by running this competition and then the papers will be published in the proceedings of the conference in November 
the vast majority of them are open source programs anyway, then the community can choose which translation tools they use from that, from this test. How often has this competition been run? And is there a chance to enter again? Yes, it will be running next year. And I very much hope that we'll be hosting it again next year. Um, that's all up to the boss, Alison, of whether we can do that or not. <laughs> <laughs> this is the about the fifth year, sixth year they've run it. And Edinburgh have been in charge of the process for the last two years. I'm really hopeful that we will be able to run it again next year. Other people will be able to compete. Um, I'm in the process of writing an introductory blog about this on blog.us.oracle.com. Which brings me to the final question, because I think there are also grant opportunities, aren't there, with Oracle Ed Research? Researchers, yeah, they need to get funding, and we all know that's a very competitive space. So what kind of grant opportunities are there with Oracle for research and how do people actually get to apply for them? Well, that's very easy. If you're attending the conference, come over and talk to me in the virtual world. Uh, That is uh, the RSC September conference. And if you can't find me, then my virtual cat, Betty, is sitting on the on the desktop inside the environment and she'll give you my email address. But if you put into any browser the words Oracle and research, you will be directed to the Oracle for Research public website at oracle.com. The process, the application process is available there to be filled in. But but fundamentally, there's a form to fill in, which I then, um, if you're in Europe, I would be the person evaluating that and looking mm-hmm. at, at the project. We like to see clear milestones and objectives with it. We're interested not just in the, the 15,000 citation wizards of this world. We like to, we also want to, to hear from PhD students who may mm-hmm. need research funding and compute funding. We won't always say, well, they haven't got any citations. That's not necessarily a bar to entry. There is a process that we go through to evaluate it. And if it passes that process, then I have to write an approval document, which then uh, gets scrutinized by Alison. And um, (laughs) if she likes what I've written, the button gets pressed and Oracle says yes. And that's how we go. What kind of research would you be supporting? Is it any research? Does it depend on the quality of the application? Obviously, it does that. Well, we, but we, is there any particular areas that you focus on? Well, we've—I mean, Alison, perhaps you want to define the core areas, but we're we're fundamentally interested in anything, aren't we? Yes. So, so we support basic and applied research projects, and we support mm-hmm. research across all disciplines. I'm actually personally trained as a historian and a lawyer. And so my interests are, are not in the hard scientists personally. And I'd love to see us get projects like uh, digital humanities projects or, or other things that are not necessarily bioinformatics or genomics or some of the usual suspects. But we, we're very interested in supporting research across disciplines and advancing mm-hmm. knowledge generally. One thing I'd add, Peter, is it's not just cloud credits, and it's not a situation where we're going to give somebody just enough cloud credits to get them excited and then expect them to start paying us. The way the process works is is the researcher defines a project with the milestones, and then we take that application and actually size the compute that's going to be required for the project they define. And the cloud credit grant is enough cloud credits to get them through that project because we don't want to get them sort of in the door and then stuck. Um, So our goal is really to make sure that they finish the project and to help them do that. It's not just cloud credits. We have free consulting services where we get the, the architects to sit down with the researchers 
to help them use those credits effectively and to help them optimize the work that they're doing. I said with the researcher and with their RSE potentially. Yes. And actually, I have to say, so RSE is, is a really exciting thing for us because this is a very new, almost unknown job role in the United States. I think Europe and, and the UK are way ahead of us in terms of actually recognizing RSEs as a profession. Um, and I, I'm hoping that our US counterparts and colleagues will look at this conference and will look at RSEs in Europe as a model for the professionalization of research computing in a, in a different way than we have historically in the United States. I would like to thank you all very much, and I wish you all the best for the future. Thank, thank you. you so much for having us.